0: Drop Bar Texas is brought to you by Jack Rue. Support the podcast by ordering your very own Drop Bar Texas kit by Jack Rue through the team store linked in the show notes. You can also go to jackrew.com, go to team stores, and search Drop Bar Texas. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Drop Bar Texas, the podcast about cycling in Texas. As I sit here recording this, we're out here in Lake Somerville watching the riders start to come through after the lunch station. Way to go, Southwest! 32 miles left! As we record, we're watching thousands of cyclists on day two of their bicycle journey to College Station for the Texas MS-150. So this is a special ride in Texas, and for many folks, the reason, they rekindle a love for the bike. I know it did for me 21 years ago. Before 2021, this was a ride from Houston to Austin. Last year was supposed to be the inaugural ride to College Station, but that was rained out. This year, the weather looks perfect for it, and in fact, I mean, while I'm sitting here, it is. It's great. It's overcast. Uh... Maybe there will be a little rain later, but uh, hopefully the cyclists will, will beat that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so for all those riding, I hope you have tailwind all the way and a safe ride. So speaking of rekindling a love for riding, another person looking to do this for folks is Fabian Soralta, organizer of the Gravel Locos in Hico, Texas. You might have heard of this race's first showing last year, which was won by Lawrence Tindam, who held off a late charge from Colin Strickland to win the 150-mile Gravel Loco race. Well, it's back. It's still aiming to provide both competitiveness and creature comforts. So Fabian is here to tell us all about it. So let's give that a listen. Hi, Fabian. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Fabian?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Good. Good man. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Oh, how I have like you your been? Background doing? there. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> Texas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started doing this a, a few years back. I talked to a, some buddies a, you. Know, I was like, hey, we need, we need to do something about talking about Texas cycling and. Um, and I had no, no takers. And and so I was like, ah, well, hell, let me just start it myself. (laughs) So, so there, there we went.
1: (laughs) Now, how do I pronounce your last name, Paul? Oh, Negrete. Negrete. And where's that from?
0: Um, it is, uh, it's Spanish. It's from, um, my, my, my grandparents were originally from, uh, Mexico from, um, uh, the Guanajuato area. Uh Um, but, uh, but yeah, all, all of my family that, that I know are all here in Texas. I am mean, sure we've got family in Mexico, but yeah, I've, I, I've grew
1: up, grew up here in Spain in, to Mexico to Texas. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably. <laughs> but, but yeah, there, uh, I had an uncle that traced it back at one point uh, to, uh, here's a famous actor and singer, Jorge Negrete, and
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: apparently, supposedly we're, we're. Kind of distantly related you know.
1: but it's not a common last name so i was wondering <laughs> <laughs> no
0: no yeah there were there were two um in uh in high school two families in, in our neighborhood in the like vicinity but like i remember you know back when you had phone books right just like i'd yeah. go and look in the phone book to see I was like, what? who else is a negative and it was like a Little list like this
2: <laughs>
0: in in all of Houston, and then that's awesome. Now now there's more. So
1: <laughs> I'm sure you multiplied a little bit there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you do?
1: Well, I uh, I own and manage a uh, dermatology medical practice. Oh, Okay, okay. I'm not a dermatologist. I always say I'm just smart enough to make sure they get paid. <laughs> that's about all I can say.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But and I do that, can't... and I also dwell in real estate properties and businesses and stuff like that
0: okay okay
1: gravel locals was just something that i started uh, uh started working on in 2019 yeah um, the purpose of it was just to, and we'll talk about it you know but just kind of bring something to gravel that i felt was kind of missing in some of the uh, bigger events and some of the smaller ones as well
0: yeah yeah okay well cool cool yeah so yeah uh yeah, you mentioned dermatology i was like oh you, must be why you got such good skin
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. let me tell you there's been times i come in here sunburned from riding and not using sunscreen i'll forget and it's embarrassing like what's wrong with you boss you're burnt i'm like i know know better (laughs) yeah i i'm I'm terrible but i I don't oh god i don't
0: use sunscreen very often and i remember growing up but i used to never burn as a kid right and then uh, i remember we got to college and we went fishing with some buddies and i went fishing it's like, yeah, I, I don't burn, you know, Yeah, <laughs> Mexican. I, I've never burned in my life. And we went fishing and in the brazes and and uh, all morning. And man, I was, I was like a lobster oh, afterwards. God, I, it, was war, <laughs> it was terrible.
1: That's a- the worst, especially you start getting like blisters from being burned. <laughs> I remember being a kid and getting blisters from being out in the sun and burning so much. It's just crazy that we did stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knew what sunscreen was, especially when you know I grew up in Cuba and there was no sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> there was no toothpaste. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <Sunscreen>. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I was I was reading some about a, about your story. Vela News I think did did a good spot on you last year. Oh, um, thank you. And and uh, so you so you came across uh, or came came from Cuba. When when did you immigrate?
1: 1980,
0: yeah, 1980.
1: Oh, wow, okay. okay. I came in 1980 with uh, my mom, my dad, and have four kids, and we went from living in Cuba to moving over to Miami and lived in a one-bedroom, one-bathroom, seven of us. That was oh, a wow. <laughs> wow. I remember as a kid, you know, eight, nine years old in Cuba, and my mom, you know, would always tell us about this great place, America, and then when we go there, it's just going to be, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. Nobody's going to control what you do, what you want to say. And you can voice your opinions and you can really be anything you want to be. And, and uh, we lived in Cuba. Uh, The house was a large house. It was seven bedrooms and five bathrooms. And, so I'm thinking, all right, we're gonna to go to America. It's gonna be even better. <laughs> like, whoa, what happened here? One bedroom, one bathroom. It's like you're knocking on the door. Hurry up, I gotta go. You know. So we did that for several years, and man, it was quite a, quite a, a shock. I we didn't speak mm-hmm. English or anything, so it was a, it was a it was an experience, I would say. And it was really where this this need that i've always had to always want to do my best to give back because when we came from Cuba, we didn't have anything mm-hmm. and so many american families from the neighborhood that didn't even know us that didn't even speak spanish they helped us with you know food and clothes and helped us pay the rent until my dad got a job and one uh, little old american lady gave us a her her old car that still worked great so that was our first car Oh, wow. and it was really from that experience that I've always felt this need to always give back anything I can do to help out, you know, along the way. Because again, if it hadn't been for all the generosity of those people, I wouldn't be where I am today. And yeah, it's kind of the uh, the reason behind the gravel locos and uh choosing the uh fire department, the volunteer fire departments, and uh trying to provide for them all these things that they need. Very similar to like when we came from Cuba, we didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And the uh, volunteer fire departments operate on donations from equipment that's donated to them, old equipment, old trucks, old suits, old masks. They don't really get any funding from the cities or the counties that they're in. So they really are operating on very little, yet they're really charged with, you know, taking care of hundreds of miles of acres uh in remote areas so when i learned about that i was like man we got to do something about that and that's the uh, the reason why i I chose the uh, volunteer fire departments as our cause and our our charity for the events
0: yeah yeah i yeah um yeah i i had never heard of he i've lived in texas my whole life uh and i'd never heard of hico
1: um, you, you're, you're definitely Mexican. I'm Cuban. We call it Heico by they, They've corrected <laughs> me many he says, Heico. So I had to get used to saying Heico. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a so, tiny little town. I had never heard of Heico. You know, I've been living here since 2000. I moved here from Miami, Florida, in 05, 2005, okay. and I've been riding all those years. And it wasn't until 2019 that Somebody said, Oh, you would absolutely love gravel and Heiko. I'm like, Heiko, where's that?
2: <laughs> and
1: I went out there and I had a route and I just absolutely fell in love with the gravel. And I was like, I can't believe this is Texas. Mm-hmm. It, it was just like a, a, an incredible experience. All these beautiful water crossings and these rivers and these canopy roads with trees and hills and lots of climbs. And I was like, I can't believe this is Texas. And I remember doing a hundred and I think it was 105 or 110 miles and it was almost 6000 feet of elevation gain and i was like holy smokes There's <laughs> mountains in texas you know <laughs> of course nothing compared to pueblo and some of those other areas but it was a uh, it was i was it was really a love at first sight when i and the town is incredibly charming it's got these great little restaurants and these great little stores And the other town motto is where everybody's somebody and really everybody's involved in some (laughs) kind of way because it's a town of 1400. Mm -hmm. But it's got such great little niche shops and restaurants that you would just never expect in a tiny little town like that. You know, it's got a great little Italian restaurant, great American restaurant. It's got, you know, great Mexican food. Uh, it's got some some uh, food trucks that are really excellent. I mean, it's got a great ice cream place and salads, little shops. I mean, it's got so many things and a lot of, you know, real neat clothing, men's clothing, women's clothing. There's even a men's clothing store that has a, a brewery, <laughs> like a <laughs> tap room inside. Oh, nice. It's an amazing chocolate shop. If you like chocolate, they make them right there. They have a wine Uh, a winemaker I mean they have a popcorn shop they've got everything it's just (laughs) this tiny little town has so much charm and it's so welcoming and really I ended up there by accident because I had visited several other Texas towns where I ride gravel Mm -hmm. and I was telling them hey look I want to do this great huge bike ride and it's going to benefit your volunteer fire department and I visited f- four other towns, and they just turned me down. They, they didn't even want to talk about it. Oh wow! Well, yeah, and, uh, a lot of these little towns they just they don't want to deal with you know fifteen hundred people or or more. And the whole idea of what I wanted to do really just didn't resonate. And it wasn't I, most of the times I didn't even get a second call back or an email response. One town in particular, I filled out all the paperwork. They never responded. <laughs> so and with that, you know, with that, I remember being on a gravel ride in a neighboring town to Heiko, and explaining to one of the riders man this is just crazy i'm trying to do this event and donate to these volunteer fire departments and while the fire departments are all excited about it the city administration is not and that's when he uh he said man you got to go check out Heiko. that's an amazing little town it's tiny and sure enough i i went over there and uh, i met with the city administrator and uh, i was really expecting him to say no. And I said, look, I've never done this before, and but I know I can do this, and I've never hosted an event or anything like that, but this is what I want to do. And he's like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, I'm going to do this. And so the event was supposed to originally start, uh, be, uh, take place in 2020, and I canceled it. It was November of 2020 because of the whole COVID mess. Right. And then uh, the following year in uh, in May of May 20 gosh i don't remember that like 22nd maybe uh 2021 was when we had the first event and that was another interesting experience i learned very quickly that I, I was reaching out to all the bike brands especially stuff that i that i ride myself all the big brands all the things mm-hmm. that i use uh, i call myself a professional cycling consumer uh, <laughs> my equipment is beyond my abilities and so i started contacting all of these uh bike industry brands and there was just no interest in, in really being a part of it. And the uh the funny thing is I wasn't even asking them for money. I was just asking them for some endorsement and for some social media support mm-hmm. and really just kind of jumping on board and maybe, you know, donating a couple of little things here and there as prizes. Uh and I just couldn't take getting any takers. And uh that's when I said, you know what? I'm just gonna fund this entire thing myself. I'm gonna pay for it. Oh wow. And I'm gonna get the best gravel riders out there, and I'm gonna call all of them, and and uh, it just evolved into this crazy idea. And I started messaging all these pros, all the top pros that you hear about all the time through social media, through Instagram, because I really don't have any connections in the bike industry, and I mm-hmm. certainly had no way of reaching any of them. And uh, the biggest name that i thought to call for contact first was ted king and i sent him uh, a very long instagram message it probably took like several sends, (laughs) and uh he responded i was shocked it's like oh my god this guy's responding ted king's responding and and uh i remember him saying i'm intrigued this is just crazy that you want to do this huge event and you're going to fund the entire thing. And it's going to be free for everybody. And you're going to have aid stations and SAG vehicles and all this festivity, all these festivities. And and people are not going to pay, it's going to be free. And it was going to be based <laughs> on a honor system with the understanding that I was trying to raise $85,000 for the fire department to buy them a command fire truck. Cause they lost the one they had. Mm-hmm. And they had been on a waiting list for five years Oh wow. and They are still like number 107th <laughs> on the list, so it could have been another 20 years before they got any kind of, you know, funds or anything, any kind of assistance,
2: hmm.
1: and uh, he said, let me, uh, let's have a phone conversation, and we did. We had this phone conversation about what I wanted to do, and, you know, he lives in a small town in Vermont, and there's volunteer fire departments, and He's got some friends that have, have had, you know, for example, he's very good friends with uh, Ian Boswell, who's a volunteer firefighter. And I didn't, I didn't realize that.
0: I I listened to him sometimes on, uh, I think he's on um, the cycling podcast uh, sometimes. And so, yeah.
1: And he's a volunteer firefighter and they're, they're buddies and they ride together. So really Ted just kind of said, you know, this is how stuff happens. Just somebody has an idea and is willing to take a risk. And this is so intriguing and I think it's freaking crazy. And, uh, sign me up. I I want to come to Haiko. I want want to be a part of this, this concept of yours. And then he really facilitated communications with the rest of the riders. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got such a good reputation and he's well-liked and respected that, you know, he, he reached out to a few others and they started reaching out to me and, Hey, we heard about this from Ted. And We're interested in being a part of this and helping out and and it just started growing and growing and growing and before I knew it I had 20 something of these pros that I've been watching and hearing (laughs) about you know coming on board to help and some of them have their own events and gave me a lot of advice especially Ted I mean he just I really he asked me do you have a website no do you have this no do you have registration (laughs) no he's like do you have social media? And I'm like, yeah. And he kind of of course, looked at it a little bit. He's like, your social media sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. And I was like, thank you. I need to hear these things because I'd never even done social media. I had no idea how to do a post on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. I had an account, but I never used it. So he really mentored and coached me and really helped me out with so much from connecting me to bike industry brands, connecting me to other riders, to helping me with, you know, putting together social media posts, teaching me how to do them and when to do them and how many to do and how many not to do. And I mean, it's just, the guys just took a really, it's a very strong interest in in wanting to see this event succeed and for us to be able to help the fire department. So we gave out 1,200, I gave out 1,200 free registrations and out of those twelve hundred, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, uh, out of those twelve hundred, less than four hundred people donated anything. Oh, so man. we were trying to raise eighty-five thousand dollars, and uh, an event that size with, you know, all these aid stations and all of these SAG vehicles and all this support, everybody got a free T-shirt, really nice drawstring zipper swag bag, specialized water bottles. I mean, they got a ton of stuff, you know. The, Really, it was over a hundred thousand dollars to host this. Oh wow. Yeah. So the when you do the math, it was a total failure. <laughs> <It spent laughs> over a hundred thousand dollars to host it, to try and raise eighty-five thousand dollars to buy a fire truck, and you raise like forty something fifty thousand. So it's was like, whoa, this was. This <laughs> is not. This didn't uh, didn't pan out the way I had hoped so, hoped for. But you know what? It was. It was, it was a learning experience. I learned that you know. It doesn't work that way. And most folks donated like $5. You know, when you think about it, they, they were riding with 20 something of the top pros in riding an event that had all this support that you don't get at any of the big events. You know, you pay two, three hundred dollars and you're out there on your own. And we had 20 something SAG vehicles, you know, six aid stations, all sorts of nutrition and, you know, all sorts of stuff. But it was, it was kind of unfortunate. It was a, it was a hard lesson. Uh, and most of the donations are very, very small, $5, $10, the majority of them. And as a result, we didn't really raise the, the amount of money to buy the fire truck. But we still made it happen. We still bought them the truck. And uh, so for the following year, 2022, my goal was to build them a larger station. They've been trying to do this for 30-something years because their, okay. their current station was very small. It was very, very old. And the new fire trucks are significantly bigger. So they, they can't even walk around their trucks because the station is so small. So the goal was to raise, you know, significant amount of money uh, to build a larger station. And uh, I said, I'm not going to take a risk and do <laughs> donations. <system." laughs> so I, charge, I charge registration. Uh, we've got over 1,500 folks registered and we raised enough oh, to build, awesome. a, build the larger wow. station. And it's actually almost done. So folks are going to get to see the truck that we bought them and the station that we built them uh, in oh, May. That's cool. Oh, but sweet! It worked out. I mean, and the whole idea of free just didn't work out, and the event really—I never expected so much uh, media attention. Mm-hmm. I—that was one of those things I never even thought about. There was that article by Velo News that I thought was really nice. Uh, it was representative of what we were trying to do, and uh, I think uh, Bets did an excellent job of getting across what, what you know what the goal of the event was and what we were doing. But what I never expected was to get for the event to. I started getting calls from Cycling News, Bicycling News. We got uh, GCN. All these media outlets really got behind it, and that I never expected. And uh, in November 2021, Bicycling Magazine did an article of the top 20 bucket list gravel events worldwide, and Gravel Locos Heiko was one of them. So <laughs> that was a shock. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, this is like my first year, and to have some an honor like that was just unbelievable. To be you know listed with events like Unbound and I believe Mid South and, and several others, it was really a I, I didn't never expected anything like that, and it has helped for us to get the word out. and In 2022, we have over 1,500 registered, so it was about 300 more, three to four hundred more than in 21, and it's allowed us to raise enough funds to do the things that we want to do for the fire department. So, yeah, when you look at pictures of the old station versus the new one, it's just a shock that you know we were able to do that. Just regular. Bicycle riding, crazy people get together. (laughs) We're hosting another big event and the funds have allowed us to do something like this. And uh, we got even more pros coming. It's really uh, amazing to have so many folks from Europe that are excited about it. You know, they look at America as the gravel, you know, place. This is where gravel is, you know, was born. And there's so many. Uh, we have several retired Tour de France Grand Tour riders that are coming. Lots of folks from Germany, from Netherlands. Uh, we have folks from Spain, Italy, France, uh, countries that I didn't even I didn't even know existed. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, and of course, some Colombians and folks from uh, Brazil. We have uh, Mexico, uh, all over the U.S. as well. And uh, it's become a, you know, something that I'm. I never expected it was ever going to become and, uh, and the, the support and the help that I've gotten from, from the pros, has just been phenomenal. They've been really good in, in helping me get the word out and in building all this excitement behind the event.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like, a, I mean, a, a really awesome event. When I, I heard about it last year, do the, I think through the Vela um, article, um, and that's how it popped up on my radar and yeah, i think it was a few days before the event before i saw it and i was like what i said what is this <laughs> where 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 where's where's Heiko?" um and uh you know i mean I, i'm i'm from houston so i you know mainly cycle around this area go out to the hill country a bit um i haven't done a whole lot you know up in in the dallas fort worth area but Hico's is what i guess uh, a little looks like it's a little southwest of Fort Worth, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm not 90 minutes or something like that or yeah, it, from I'm, I'm, Fort I'm, Worth. You
1: know, I'm in my office now in Arlington. It takes me about an hour and 20 minutes from Arlington.
0: Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it looked like it was a, it not too far from Waco, you know, no, no. kind of in that little... Uh, well, northwest, north, and north, north, northwest of Waco, southwest of Fort Worth. Yeah, we
1: get a lot of folks from Houston to come into the event. Mm-hmm. From Arle- uh, I'm sorry, from Austin. Uh, so we, we do get a, a good share of folks from that area, and it, it's just a an unexpected little gem. This mm-hmm. hyco. And, and the gravel and the elevation gain and the terrain and it's and the the scenery is just absolutely beautiful. You know, yeah. last year we were treated to just tons of wildflowers you know there was a lot of rain in april and and uh we don't have as much rain this year but it's uh i hope you can make it out even if it's not for the event let me know and i'll host you and we'll get together and we'll do a 30 mile or i don't know if i can let me tell you i guess this, <laughs> this uh, event hosting thing uh, i went from riding six seven eight thousand miles a year to like not riding trying to get all this done and somehow and i I Torture myself i, I accepted a, the challenge to do another event in pueblo but so i haven't been riding as much and uh it's taken a toll like an extra 50 pounds that i've gained from not riding <laughs> and tapering and, and card loading still yeah yeah but uh and, and, yeah, yeah go
0: ahead sorry yeah. oh no it's just i said and. And you started riding gravel back in
1: 2015,
0: 16, yeah. By
1: accident, just total. I had no idea what gravel was or cyclocross. Uh, I had a mountain bike and most of my riding was on the road. That's all I ever did. (laughs) And I did do a little bit of mountain biking. And uh, I was visiting my son in Denver. He was at the University of Denver. And I went to bike shop and i saw what looked like a road bike with knobby tires and i was like what in the world is that (laughs) and uh and i was i've got to get one of those things because i had in 2012 purchased a ranch in oklahoma on the red river and i had like gosh just to get to my front door there's like 15 miles of gravel i remember buying this property and and really being really excited and it dawned on me how am I going to ride out here? You know, I've got to just to get to the, like a paved road. It's like a 15 mile, 20 mile car drive. Uh, so it was really frustrating going out there on the weekends and not having a road bike. And if I did ride, bring a road bike, I'd put it on the car and take it out to uh, the lake and ride around over there where it's paved. And then that's, and, you know, fast forward three years, I'm in Denver and I see this, specialized bike with Saram zip wheels. And, and it looked like a road bike with these mountain bike looking tires. And I was like asking these guys, what is that? And they're looking at me like I just fell off the bike <laughs> practically did. And they said, well, oh, it's a cyclocross bike, or, but you can use it for cyclocross or gravel. I was like, seriously, you know, <laughs> that's, that's what I have. I have this problem. I have these 15 miles, 20 miles of gravel. That I, And they're like, oh, that's a great thing. I mean, that's not a problem. All you need is one of these. And so I bought the bike that shipped it to Texas to my local shop. And uh, they built it for me. And my first event was October 1st, 2016. And I thought it was going to be just like a road rally where there's eight stations and SAG support and all this stuff. And little did I know, you know, you pay 70 something, 80 something dollars, whatever it costs. I don't remember. And I'm riding, and it's. I was doing a 50 mile route, and I'm thinking, this is no big deal because I'm, you know, I can do 100, 100 something miles on the road. And I show up with this Crux with 700 by 33 tires pumped to uh, 95 psi in oh, rear, wow. 90 in the front. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm running like really low pressure because on my tubular road bike wheels, I was running 120, 125, 130. You know, that was the norm in, back then. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember those days.
1: Yeah, and I didn't bring any... I mean, I brought two water bottles, and I think I brought like one Cliff Bar or something like that. So, you know, 10 miles go by, and I'm like, man, this is brutal. This thing's kicking my ass. I'm bouncing all over the place. Everybody else around me looks so comfortable and happy, and I'm like, this is torture. 10, 15, (laughs) 20 miles, and I'm like, where the hell are the aid stations? You know, I'm out of water. I got no food. (laughs) And then I found out from another rider, well, yeah, there are no aid stations. You know, halfway, there's going to be a table that's going to have, like, water jugs, like, warm water. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are there going to be, like, tomatoes? I mean, like, uh, bananas and and pickles. And it's like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Sure enough, I get to this water table, and that's all that it was, warm water jugs. Oh, wow. Gosh, man, I'm going to die out here. I still have, like, another 30 miles to go. And uh, by the end of it, I was so beat up. And I was like, I am never going to do this shit again. This is horrible. You have to be crazy to do this, you know. And I remember calling some buddies that were supposed to show up and never did. I was so mad at them. I was like, that's the smartest thing you ever did was not show up to this shit, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I went home back to my ranch in Oklahoma at the time because I was not far from that ranch. And, uh, man, I was like, this is horrible. Why would anybody do this? And then... Uh, then I quickly learned from others. Yeah. You don't want to run that kind of pressure. And yeah, you want to have something bigger than a 33 C and you know, all this stuff that I had no idea about. And yeah, these events are self-supported. They give you the route, you pay your fee, you get the route, that's it. (laughs) And I was like, that really sucks. You know, you're paying all this money and there's, there aren't any aid stations. And so it was that experience that kind of, always left this desire in me to host a gravel event that had a bunch of aid stations and food and music and 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 all these things and one of the things that i that i always noticed was that for the guys it was really easy to go to the bathroom you know you find a bush or anywhere which side of the road yeah for the ladies it's not and uh, i remember doing on i'm uh, I'm sorry it was uh mid-south in 2020 i think there was like 2000 people registered and like 900 showed up. The weather was terrible. It started raining. It was really cold. There was a little bit of sleet. And I think like less than 900 of us started and I think less than 100 finished. And it was, uh, it was an, I mean, as it was one of those things that I couldn't stop. If you stopped riding, you would freeze. Mm -hmm. And there was so much rain and so much mud that the few Jeeps that they had out there. Uh, I was told that, you know, you would get to these areas and there were, you know, 30, 40, 50 riders huddled up, cold, trying to stay warm. And it was taking the Jeeps two to three hours to get people. And the Jeeps are even getting stuck in the mud. I mean, we saw a few. Oh, wow. and, yeah. and that experience was another one that I was like, you know what? It, it would be really nice to have bathrooms for the ladies, you know? Mm-hmm. So at, at our my event, I, I have a portable bathroom at every rest stop for the ladies and i hope that the guys kind of leave those alone and let the ladies use them
0: yeah yeah
1: and later on i found out from the ladies that a lot of them suffer from you know utis and stuff like that because of holding it for so long because they can't do what the guys do you know there's no way that a lady can squat the side of the road (laughs) and still have some privacy it doesn't matter if you turn around and turn the other way Whereas the guys, you see them all the time. And, and I was like, you know what, there's got to be a better way to do that so that the women don't have to really – I mean, they're out there busting their butts pedaling and racing just like everybody else, but yet they they really ha- can't even go to the bathroom. So that's why I implemented uh, portable bathrooms at the aid stations, at all six aid stations for the ladies. And, and that's really been, I think, uh, one of the more attractive things that the ladies uh, – they appreciate it. And with that, with the food, with the sag vehicles, I also don't have a cutoff. So there is no cutoff. If, if you want to throw in the towel and quit, it's on you. Uh, if you're going to be out there 30 hours, there's going to be out, somebody out there waiting for you. Uh, because I've always felt that you know not everybody is uh, Pete Stetna and Ian Boswell and Lawrence Stendham and Ted King and you know, Allison Tetrick and Jess, you know, those folks go out there and they do 150 miles in seven hours. The rest of us, you know, if it was me, I'd take me 20 hours. (laughs) And I can't imagine, like I've always said this, I'm very vocal about this. I can't imagine uh, taking on a challenge. And a lot of folks take on these bike events as a way to you know, restored themselves from either addiction or from weight issues or from health issues, and they're struggling and they're training and training and training, and they have their family and friends behind them cheering them on. I can't imagine saying to somebody, hey, listen, you need to turn around because you didn't make the cutoff by 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, two hours or three hours. So there is no cutoff. And that's one of the different things. That's awesome. We want people to know that, Kate, it is entirely up to you to choose when you want to stop. And last year we had five guys that didn't want to stop. And so we put a SAG vehicle behind them because it was really late and they didn't have any lights and that SAG vehicle followed them all the way to the end. And to me, you know, those folks that are out there 20 hours, I'm more impressed with them than the ones that do it in six hours because that takes some serious determination and strength and, 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 you know, mental strength and physical strength. And, gosh, you know, I remember doing uh, when I did Mid-South in 2020, I had so many mechanicals from that mud. Everything kept breaking, the, the shifting, the chain fell off every one mile or so. And it took me 14 and a half hours oh, to wow. do that. And I was just so spent by the end of it. But I was glad that I got to finish. And I can't imagine that somebody said, hey, look, you can't finish. You got to turn around. You know, we have this cutoff time. And uh, so I I feel that that's one of the attractive things for a lot of folks about the event is knowing that, look, I can be out there as long as I want to be. And there's going to be some support. And I'm not, they're not going to leave me out there by myself. You know, they've got folks patrolling the area and SAG vehicles. Uh, so little things like that, I think, are Were the things that I felt were missing in some of the events that I attended? You know, the aid stations, the portable bathrooms, the sag support, and that encouragement to help people, you know, finish despite of how long it it, it's going to take them. If they want to finish, we're going to help you finish.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. That's that sounds really cool. I mean, porta cans are a luxury. (laughs) Yeah, they're not cheap either. and And you know, um so, so, yeah, I mean that 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 sounds awesome the whole the whole thing sounds sounds so cool that that you're putting this Thank on, dear. and um yeah, you know, I was I was looking at it, and you don't have to do either like the 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 hundred and fifty la loca that that's the big race right that yes. that the that that the pros are gonna be yes. in, and everything. But you've got there, there's a there's a thirty, a sixty, and a hundred While yes. What's unique about about the this co- the course out there? You know, what what's different? Yeah, about
1: well it? the the uh, the thirty is a fun ride, you know, mm-hmm. but don't kid yourself; it's still got some pretty good climbing, and uh, it uh you know it's probably eighty something percent gravel. Mm-hmm. The sixty, the one hundred, and the one fifty are all timed, okay. and we uh, This year, uh, we're, we're giving awards to the top five men, women uh, in the 60, in the 100, and the 150. Uh, that was something that I, that I decided to do. And the, I didn't think about the fact that I'm the one that makes the trophies. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I had to make six trophies because it was the top three men, top three women in the 150 because the others weren't timed. And this year I was like, no, we're gonna time the sixty, and we're gonna add a one hundred, and we're gonna time those three. And then I started, oh boy, i been making <laughs> over forty trophies. Oh wow! Because we have three categories, and so I was like, holy smokes! I'm still making trophies. I've been going at it for weeks now. Uh, but as far as the the routes, the one hundred and the one fifty, uh, and the sixty, all do this one hill that we call local hill. That it kicks up into the twenty percent. That's a that's a fun one. It's a oh wow. It's a good one. Twenty percent is route, hard on all, on, on all, the road. all the routes. Cross the river, the uh, the Bosque River, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures from last year, but it was actually was like three feet deep. We had to put a fire. I, I fire did. Truck. I, Yes,
0: was there? Was there a? It looked like in the photo there was a line going across for yes. people to hold on to as they cross.
1: Yeah, we had one fire truck in one end, one in the other, and this rope because the current was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. The folks were holding on to this rope crossing the river. It was about you know three feet deep in that yeah. section.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, all the routes crossed the the Bosque River, so that's one of the things in common. Uh, three of the four do local hill two of the four do the three B's which are these three climbs back to back that by luck every I think I've, I've done I've, I've done those three three times and all three times I've been able to pedal my <laughs> way up but it's like barely pedaling. I mean it's they're brutal they kick up into the 22 23 percent and it's just like there's no rest. you go up one and you're like, holy smokes and you come down and boom there's another one like, boom <laughs> it's like you're like can this is this ever going to stop so you know two of the routes share that uh three of the three of the routes share several water crossings and all four share what i think is the best water crossing the Bosque river and, and it all depends on on the rain right now it's it's very low but that could change as texas like as you know yeah, they can start yeah. pouring now and and raining uh, upstream and running, and it just it just gets deep. And uh, so, and then they all, you know, they all have sections of canopy, tree roads, and great. The gravel is hard packed. So even with all the rain that we got last year, the mud was, you know, a couple inches, two, three inches at most. Uh, I know some folks are complaining about it. <laughs> I will take two to three inches over the 12, 13, 14 inches that I was in <laughs> at Mid-South. <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, it's an area that you can ride it year round, regardless of the weather, whether it rained or it didn't. Or Honestly, it's a little better when it rains because then it's not as dusty. Uh, and then you're traveling through these little tiny towns. Some of them have 80-something population of 80 something Some mm-hmm. others have a population of 800 so and there are all these little quaint little towns that have these great little shops and uh it's just a lot of fun i feel you know it's you're always in small little tiny towns you hardly ever see a car and when you do the the locals are really friendly they're really nice people half the time they think we're nuts for being <laughs> you, know, you know you know they make these things with motors you know <laughs> but and they're always offering help Yeah, Uh, which is nice. You know, I I always say that the best thing about gravel is, in my opinion, is that it's you're out in the middle of nowhere and you hardly ever see a car and you're really out in in, in the open. And and, but that's also what makes it dangerous because Mm -hmm. you're out again in the middle of nowhere. Most times there aren't there isn't any cell reception. There are very few of any homes that you could go and knock on the door. You hardly ever see a car and, you know, you don't see uh, a gas stations and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're pretty spread out. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. And, and, and I feel that a lot of times that keeps a lot of people from venturing into gravel because of this unknown. You know, what if I get a flat? What if I get a mechanical? I, don't, I can't even call somebody. I, you know, there aren't any stores. There's nothing out there. And my goal with gravel locals has been to really try and reach out to those folks that are curious about gravel. So, yeah, you know, like I was saying, that's kind of been my, my big goal is to try and, and have enough routes that people are willing to take a chance and just really make it known that, Hey, we're out there to help you. We're going to have mechanics. We're going to have tubes and bike pumps and repair stuff. And we've got six aid stations fully stocked and bathrooms and you know give gravel a chance you know give it a try and if you're curious about it come on and do it and and you know just do the 30 miler if you want if you don't want to do a 60 or the 100 uh so we really tailor it to bring a lot of people that are curious about it that have been wanting to do it and, and try and make the what's dangerous about gravel not so dangerous you know by having support and food and drinks and Uh, SAG vehicles and we we've got a lot of beginners which is really neat a lot of first timers Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you know the the whole idea about gravel locals was look there's a lot of great events out there small big and such but we wanted to have an event you know I say we me myself and I (laughs) I wanted to have an event that kind of like an unbound in the mid-south with all these pros or a Belgian waffle ride. So, and cause I've been to those events and they're amazing. And I wanted to have the pro component of those events. So all these, the best pros, but I also wanted it to be beginner friendly. And I wanted there to be so much support on the course that people that have never done this will grab their mountain bike or their cruiser whatever they want to bring and, and give it a shot and try to go out there and experience what it's like to ride gravel I, I, don't, I don't run on the road anymore since i started riding gravel it's just i don't feel safe on the road and it's you know in dallas fort worth area you always hear somebody got rear or somebody got hit i just don't feel comfortable riding on the road and gravel has been a, a great way to Stay connected to the bike and and friends and stuff like that. And and again, lowering the the danger of being on on a paved road and yeah Yeah. comes with it. Yeah. So yeah, it's that having a whole bunch of pros and (laughs) and having uh, because one of the things that the pros do that I think is great is that they really they make themselves available for selfies and they they Mm -hmm. mingle they stick around. It's a very open environment. And you know, I've always asked all you know, and, and you don't even have to ask them. But there's so many self. You know, last year, seeing so many young people taking pictures with Ali Tetrick and Jess and and Sam and Ted and all these pros, you know, Lawrence Ten Dam. You know, it was it was just you know, we don't always get to experience something like that. You know, at Unbound and Mid South and some of these really great big events. Uh, you might see them walking around at an expo or something like that, but those are much bigger towns and those are huge events and they're more spread out. Whereas things in Heiko, you know, it's a little more, it's definitely a much smaller town and everything is done in a much more enclosed area. So the chances of you running into all these folks are, are very high and it was a lot of fun to watch, you know, all of them taking pictures with the youth and the beginners and, folks my age are older and it was just fun it was fun to see that to see that people had an opportunity to approach them and talk to them ask ask questions yeah uh we do several little vip events we have a vip pre-ride everything i guess to raise money for the fire department so we get 100 and something people that show up to ride with you know 20 something 30 pros and and to see them side by side crossing the river and you know climbing the same hills and that's 30 something miles it's a lot of fun and and uh, we also do a, a, din- a couple of dinners and stuff like that
0: nice yeah it i mean it seems like a a, a sport or it's because you know, i mean it's all it's still part of cycling but as far as like cycling goes and, and even other sports i mean it seems like gravel has that that ability to just you know, connect with 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 those pros and your idols and mm-hmm. you know where you exactly. can't it's not as easy to do that at it, it, at other events,
1: you know? no, it's not, and it's it's such a it's a different environment. I mean, it's you know, I uh, I got to experience Ted's uh, and Laura King's uh, event in Vermont, rooted. That was just my gosh! If you want to ever experience uh, a route that is just almost something out of a Harry Potter book, <laughs> you're in, <laughs> in these forests in Vermont, that I swear there was tigers and lions and stuff in there. I mean, it's just incredible how yeah. beautiful that area is and then i got to experience Jess sarah and sam boardman's event in montana the last best ride and you had to ride with bear spray and there was no joke there was bears out oh there. yeah
0: i heard i heard about that one I, I read uh read some of the posts there was a there's a, a a young girl a girl and her father that was following um and I think in the Texas Gravel group, they were posting updates as they were training. She was, yeah. I think she was like 14 or something. Yes, yes. That rode that that ride. It was
1: crazy. Yes. Was like, wow. She did great. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, so you're talking about the gotta love gravel crew. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah they she did wonderful. She's super strong. And uh, but that that route, it was just, I mean, there's so many amazing, great events out there that that you know, a lot of times we don't even hear about. Cause we're so accustomed to hearing of these great big ones that, you know, that we all go to mm-hmm. and uh, really experiencing Ted's event. And it was, it wasn't a small event. It was a thousand people there. Jess Sarah's event probably had six, 700. I would imagine it was another good size event, but the terrain and the scenery and the climbs and the challenges, it's just something out of this world. It's like, if you ever get a chance, Highly recommend the route of Vermont, the last best ride. Uh, probably uh, those should be in the top 20.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, it's just so different from anything I, I've done. Uh, and again, you know, you've got events like the Belgium waffle ride. That was one of my first, you know, big events that I ever did. And that event was inspiring to me because of how well it's organized and they have great aid stations and an incredible cheerful environment. I mean, that's an event that if you've never done it, you know, either do the waffle or the weight or the, I think they call it the, there's a shorter distance and a longer one. I forgot what the shorter one's called. I think it was the wafer. Maybe that event was, you know, one of those that I left thinking, wow, this is really a great way to do gravel and, incredible aid stations incredible support incredible uh staffing they had bathrooms also at the uh aid stations that was one of those events that really in you know that i said "Wow, this is a great way to do gravel because before then i hadn't experienced anything like that in gravel it was just here's your pay the fee here's the route and you're on <laughs> your own kind of thing yeah. and then i started doing an of event with bike monkey in california uh an, an event uh Uh, it's, they have several events. So the, the company is Bite Monkey, but they host several events, Fish Rock, uh, the hammer. They have, they also do Levi's Grand Fondo. They also host uh, Peter Stetna's event. Uh, In Bite Monkey, it's another one of those that does events right in my opinion I mean, the way that they support you. And you you really, you're taking on these epic routes that coming from texas you know there's a lot of climbing you know i did fish rock and that event was like 70 something miles and ten thousand feet of elevation gain that was an all day for me but they're so well supported and they they really are looking out and trying to get you to complete it and get it you know and that's really uh, where i get a lot of the inspiration uh in the direction that i got for gravel locos was I took a little bit from the Belgium off ride from mm-hmm. unbound from mid-south from bike monkey events uh, and, uh, and, and kind of created my own and, you know, took what I liked from this one and that one. And, but certainly the, the pro component I've always felt was a lot of fun to have, you know, especially at the Belgium off ride, I, I got to do a few of their VIP events and to kind of, meet a lot of these folks you know like you said your idols and gravel and that was so much fun that i was like you know i gotta have that you know folks should be able to experience that right and it's, it's worked out real well and like i said you know ted king was instrumental in arranging a lot of the connections that i've been able to make with uh with you know with the pro community and it just keeps growing i just keep getting messages from folks that i'm like oh my gosh so-and-so messaged me like i was messaging with Pace and that long ago i was like that's so freaking cool you know all these folks that you look <laughs> up to you know colin strickland you know uh, all all these folks that that i get to you know invite to the events now and they and they're excited about it and you know they participate and and they're available for the rest of the riders and so yeah it's, it's been a positive definitely a positive experience and and here we are. Now we're talking about Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know you guys are expand, expanding. You got a second second uh, race that's coming up now in, in, uh, in, in Pueblo, Colorado. Yeah,
1: October 1st. I, yeah. I, I always said I was only going to do gravel High Call. I was never going to do another event. This is way too much work because it really, it's a lot of work. And then I found out about the volunteer fire department over there. They don't even have an indoor bathroom. Uh, their station is tiny. Their equipment is super outdated. Their trucks barely start. Yet they are responsible for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres. And, and Pueblo wanting to have an event, you know, and they tried to, they, they, uh, they were bidding to get an event in their town and they didn't, they didn't get the bid. And, of course, the event never happened there, the gravel event. So those little things, I feel like, you know what, this is like the underdog. Pueblo is like this underdog. And I'm going to go visit over there, and I'm going to meet with the mayor and meet with everybody. And they were so nice. And this is a town of 100,000 people, but it felt like being in Heiko in a town of 1,400. It's a, it's a much bigger town, but it still has that small town atmosphere. And the leadership in, in Pueblo and from the Chamber of Commerce to the mayor's office, yeah, they're so excited about doing this event. They're so behind it. And that makes my job so much easier. You know, it's the it's a big difference between my experience with other Texas towns that didn't even want to talk to me about hosting an event. Pueblo has that same charm at a much larger scale, yet the the vibe and the, the welcoming environment and the ease by which I can navigate through the politics of the town and the Chamber of Commerce and all the help. It's just like Heiko, you know. It's 10 times the size of Heiko, but it feels like being in Haiko. Uh, and again, great restaurants, great shops, and the gravel is just unbelievable. It's like silky smooth stuff. I mean, I, I've only ridden 30-something miles. I've driven a lot of the route. But it's just the climbing is amazing. And it's very different from Haiko. Haiko, uh, the climbs are very steep and punchy. Whereas the, the climbing in, in Pueblo is more gradual and, and longer. Yeah. Climbs. But the gravel is just so smooth and, and the, <laughs> views of the mountains and everything. is just, it's hard to get bored.
0: I mean, the Colorado ride sounds awesome. I, you know, I definitely need to venture out, at, you know, out, out of Texas. I, and I, you know, I haven't tried gravel yet. I've been, I've been, um, I've been riding road since uh 2008 mm-hmm. and i mean be- before that i was still i did a little bit of riding on, on on road um you know but i had the totally wrong bike for it i had another hybrid that i would do, do these long <laughs> long rides on and it was it was it was terrible it was a lot of work it was you know you, 10 10 hours you know <laughs> on, on a bike like that you know, a 25, 30-pound bike was was terrible.
1: Um, <laughs> like I said, I've got more respect for that than somebody that would in two hours. Because that takes some serious determination, yeah.
0: Well, well, yeah, once when, once I got a, um, a road bike, yeah, it was, it was, I was like, whoa. I said, no wonder those guys are so fast on these things. <laughs> this, yeah. this is nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been riding road. And, and I've been, you know, actually – yeah, you know, got i still have that first hybrid that i ever had and, and tooling around with it fixing it and and it you know ride it around the neighborhood now pull the trailer with the kids and stuff but i've been debating i was like yeah i, said, I bet this would be okay on one of these gravel rides if i wanted to try it out mm-hmm. and um because um because yeah i mean i i used to love you know go you know just going and uh so when i was in boy Scouts, you know we'd take our bikes you know we'd go camping and and that's all we did was ride gravel you know it's like i mean we didn't you know you call it gravel then you just yeah huh? you're, you're just out there on the dirt roads and or, yeah. or the dirt trails it was a and, cool
1: thing to do you know.
0: <laughs> yeah it was just like you were just riding your bike and, and that was it and um, but we'd be gone for hours doing you know just exploring
1: um you know, bikes and, probably huh
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we probably, yeah, I guess, uh, BMX bikes, you know, um, I think I had a like a, a kind of like a BMX or, or mountain bike type thing, but, um, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, so, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about it, but I haven't taken the plunge yet, but I've got some, you know, I've got lots of friends that have been doing gravel, uh, now over the past year and, and I see them less and less. <laughs> Set to yeah. road road rides and uh and i'm like okay well yeah i might it might be time for me <laughs> to go ahead and um trade in one of the bikes and and or trade up and into a a, a legit gravel bike and, and
1: yeah I, I don't think you're gonna regret it man it's just you know trying my recommendation is try and get a bike that will accommodate the biggest tire possible you know mm-hmm. and uh you know like a 45c you know 700 yeah. by 45c uh most of mine can accommodate uh 700 by 47 but it's you know when you have those big tires it sounds like they're going to be sluggish or slow but they really aren't you know and on a 700 by 45 I usually run like you know 28 29 psi front and you know 32 or so in the rear tire and it just makes all the difference in the world as far as yeah, the comfort and, and you don't get this beat up. Uh, some of these bikes these days have, you know, suspension, and, and, you know, built in suspension in the fork or built in, in the top tube, or, I'm sorry, the head tube, or even some in the seat posts and such, you know, look for stuff like that. Cause it really just makes the bike so much enjoyable and anything that you can do to dampen, you know, some rough terrain, like the the uh, gravel in Pueblo, is so smooth you can do it with a road bike. <laughs> Heiko has some really great smooth sections, some hard packed. So I've even done Heiko on a 700 by 32 C tire. I've done it in 700 by 35 C, but honestly, it's to me when you're in that 700 by 40, 700 by 42 C, and Heiko is good size, but You know, again, most times when I'm out there, I'm on a 700 by 45 C tire and really low tire pressure. And I don't see, I mean, I'm not fast to begin with, so I don't see a, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between how much faster I'm going to be on a 38 C versus a 45. Like somebody like Pete Stetna is going (laughs) to know, but it just makes the ride so much more enjoyable. Uh, That whole, it absorbs all that you know, the rocks and the washboard areas. And it's it makes it safer too. I feel uh, the more tire you got on there. Definitely look for tire clearance. Uh, you want to be able to at least put a 45C on there. Like, you know, if you're doing an event like Unbound, they have some areas that, man, the bigger the tire, the better. Uh, so it really opens up, you know, having a bike that can accommodate bigger tires you know there's times that you can do mid-south and it's dry and you can do it on a you know 33c if you want a 35c and when it's real muddy you know you're going to switch to something else but having the the flexibility to switch out and you know tire sizes is great and and try and find something that you can certainly get into a you know be able to accommodate a 45c a 47c i'm riding a it's called Ridded. R-I-T-T-E. It's a titanium gravel bike out of California. And they also make uh, uh, carbon fiber. But their bike, I can put a 700 by 47 on there. And it's just so smooth. I rode that bike at Jess Sarah's, the last best ride in Montana. And the last 30-something miles is almost like a downhill down this logging road that I mean, I think had I been on a carbon bike, I would have destroyed it (laughs) because it was (laughs) it was getting dark. And I remember Ted saying, dude, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm at the (laughs) top of the ski slope. He's like, you better get out of there real quick. This is like bear feeding time. (laughs) I was the last person at this. I'm always the last one. And uh, I remember like, oh, my gosh, I really got to get finished these last 30 something miles as quickly as possible. Because I had already seen bear droppings on the road. I had mm-hmm. seen black bears already on the side walking. I was like, I really got it. It's starting to get dark. And I just let that bike just rip down that mountain from those, <laughs> those logging roads. And it was like, <laughs> but I survived. Uh, it, it held up really well and I, I had great control. And I even hit like 50 something miles an hour on this section. Oh, wow. oh yeah. I, it was scary. But Again, it's just being able to run those tires and, and, and having a good bike. Uh, if you're into uh, titanium, there's there's some great titanium bikes out there. you got Moots and yeah, Rita, which is what I'm riding. And, you know, they use uh, carbon fiber force, carbon fiber stems. You know, they, it's just really very smooth bikes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So go, going into... Uh... And, and to your event, do, do you have uh do you have any picks for, for who's gonna who's gonna win? As a, as a promoter, are you allowed to to like oh yeah, I'm <laughs> to, not a promoter. I'm a, a knucklehead
1: that <laughs> <laughs> he was going he thinks he's a promoter, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm are, you allowed, a- are
0: you allowed to have favorites?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just I'll give you a perfect example, but just today I'm in I have this car barn at this ranch I have in Burleson, Texas, and I'm like, uh I need so many canopies and I need so many five gallon water jugs and I'm on Amazon. Oh my God. I need more water jugs. I need more <laughs> tents. I need more coolers because the event has gotten so much bigger. And here I am two weeks from the event and I'm ordering water coolers and I'm <laughs> ordering, ordering all this stuff and more tents and more supplies. And I mean, it's just insane. I have like 75 gallon water coolers. Oh, wow. Just, and, <laughs> you know, and you know six you know 10 by 20 tents and a bunch of ice chests to keep ice because there's nothing better than a cold drink when you're on a ride you know it's like i always think about what i want from an mm-hmm. aid station i'm like yeah, no, we gotta have this and we gotta have that and we gotta have tons of liquid and coal and ice and and it's just i'm just like ordering ordering more stuff because i'm like i don't have enough uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not a promoter. I'm just some knucklehead that decided he was going to do this. <laughs> Somehow got lucky and met Ted <laughs> and pulled it off. <laughs> but uh, my pick, uh, man, it's anybody's guess. Because last year, Lawrence, I mean, you had Ted was injured. He was recovering from a pretty nasty collarbone. So I was shocked that he even rode. That guy's a beast. I mean he, he I mean it was just weeks after he had busted himself up and pins and I mean I couldn't believe he rode his bike and he I was, was I
0: oh, was reading I guess he had, about it I like guess because it, he finished what sixth something like that sixth or seventh
1: yeah top <laughs> 10. It's like and I even said to him did you just come and we'll hang out you don't have to ride he's like oh no if I go I'm riding I'm like <laughs> how in the world is this guy gonna ride he's all busted up he's got pins I mean And you could tell he was uncomfortable and he still rode. Uh Lawrence beast, the guy, the last 15 miles, his Shimano stopped working. He couldn't shift. It was the worst possible time for him to break down. And I remember I'm in the lead car with uh Pete Stettner's mechanic, who's uh big tall Wayne. I call him Little Wayne, but he was such a good guy, he was fixing everybody's bike, he wasn't just there for Pete, he was gonna he helped everybody. And uh, Lawrence is like, what do I do? Do I stop? I are like, don't stop, dude. This is not the time to stop. Just ride. And he rode without being able to shift in a horrible gearing for like 15 miles. And he won. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> Pete Stetna got a flat tire right around there. But he's another one that can ride. You know, Colin Strickland. I mean, all these folks are just beasts on these on the bike. So it's really, who knows now we got Ian Boswell coming uh, this year. He wasn't there last year. I met him at Unbound and uh, we started talking. He's like, yeah, I want to go to Gravel Locos. Well, you know, him and Lawrence Dam were, you know, a bike length at Unbound, you know, Ian Boswell won by like a bike length. So you've got, all these amazing riders, and then there's always those ones that you don't even know about that just come out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, my guess is going to be one of those, you know, it, you know, or, or Ian or Lawrence or Ted or, or or you know Pete, you know, any of those, any of those guys. It's just there's no telling if they don't have a mechanical. They're so strong, you know, Dylan Johnson, uh, the vegan. He was in the top ten, I believe. He wasn't. That guy's been riding really strong, you know. And he's not a pro, but he's super strong, Tyler. Uh, and there's all these other new names that we have that are from Flow Formulas. These racers, and these are some strong riders. Uh, you know, one of them uh, was, I think he, he came in second or first in in uh, Unbound XL. Mm-hmm. These are folks that can <laughs> ride, so who knows? And the ladies, you know, again, I, I would say uh, one another one that can possibly take it again is uh, Emily, you know, who, who won last year, Newsom. She freaking killed that course. Uh, Ali Tetrick and Jessar came in second. Uh, Tracy came in third. But these are some really strong women. So, but we got some other ones coming. Now we have uh, Sarah Stern and we have some other really strong women that are coming that who knows uh, in the yeah, women's yeah. field, but for the man, man, Colin, Ted, Pete, Ian Boswell, Lawrence, 10 dam and probably five, 10 others <laughs> that could take it. And it's all luck, you know, mechanicals coming to play and, But uh, being in the lead vehicle is a lot of fun. Uh, That was a great experience, just watching these folks. And and, and they're so good uh, with each other. You know, Adam Roberge, who came in third last year, that guy's been riding super strong. He's a machine. You know, young, strong. Who knows? I mean, you know. And and the, the crazy thing is that, you know, I've become really good friends with all of them. So, you know, it's like you almost you want everybody to win, but it's not gonna <laughs> happen. So you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I tell you, and they're all so different in in, in, in in every way, even in their style of riding, even in their approach, uh, their personalities. But when they're racing, man, they're really cordial with each other. They really they those guys are an example of how we should all treat one another. I mean, they waited on each other at the aid station. I mean, it's just really nice, the guys and the women really are very respectful of one another it's really different you know it's it's something that it's really you have to kind of see it to to really experience it and uh if you ever want to be in the lead vehicle let me know and we got room for another one (laughs) it's a lot of fun to, to watch these guys out there battling it out these guys and ladies and but yet they're friends you know, afterwards, they're hugging and drinking beer together, eating. Uh, but even when they're out there racing, they're, they're still really, you know, buddies and, and friendly and cordial to one another. And, you know, they, they decide, hey, we're going to stop at such an aid station. Everybody stops. You know, they're respectful. You know, the mechanic uh, who was there for Pete, he helped everybody. Uh, and, you know, he was in the lead vehicle with me. He knew that that Pete, we knew that Pete got a flat tire. But you know, we were in the front with the with the winter, soon to be winner. So it's a it's a community. It really is a community uh, environment, especially with you know not, not just the entire community that's involved in Heiko, but even the racing aspect. Even at the pro level, there's a sense yeah. of community and, and friendship and camaraderie that it's really a, something that's you gotta experience. It. You're always welcome to come along. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. This this year it won't happen for me. I, we've got uh, T-ball and stuff going on. With
1: yeah, you get with, your hands it full is. there.
0: But uh, but yeah, hope, hopefully, yeah. I'm gonna keep it. This is something I'll keep an eye on for uh, for for the future, definitely for me, especially if yeah, you know, if I get that bike. So we, um, I, I think I, I might have permission. Now. What size <laughs> bike are you riding? What's
1: up? What size bike are you riding?
0: me um i usually ride a 54
1: ah that's what i ride i've got extra gravel bikes we're gonna after this whole <laughs> thing is over with when you have a weekend uh, i'll set something up where you can you all can stay in Haiku, and you and i will go out for a 30 or a 60 whatever you want to do okay uh, okay yeah yeah all on these just your measurements i've got you know a couple other gravel bikes that we can i can set up i've had lots of folks who i have a yeah, Specialized Diverge 2021 and a 2020 Crux Specialized S-Works. They're both S-Works. Uh Yeah, well, I use your measurements and we'll make <laughs> it happen, man. It's it's a blast. You really got to experience it. Uh, and Heiko is a great place to, to ride gravel. So whenever you're ready, you want to take me up on it, we'll set something up and you all come up and stay in Heiko for the weekend. And uh, I'll arrange everything. I think okay, think okay, really will we will be blown away by this little tiny town and the gravel out there. Yeah. We'll yeah, be hooked.
0: We'll, yeah, I'll I'll, de- I'll definitely have to take you up on that. I'll have to t- work it out with my wife. We'll make it try we can't like, like we're
1: picking out all my bikes <laughs> and they're like fucked. <laughs> <hooked.
0: laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we one of our favorite things to do is just take take a uh, little little road trips uh, cabin we call them cabin trips cuz we We'll, you know, rent a cabin or rent a, rent a small house, like through, yes. you know, VRBO or, Air, or Airbnb or something. And, and, uh, you know, just explore the area that we're in and, you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I had I actually had the kind of the experience you were talking about on your Oklahoma ranch. We, we stayed out at, um, uh, the Terlingua, uh, I think it was called the the Terlingua ranch, uh, out in, um, uh, uh, in west texas near big Bend, and um the, this this ranch uh lot it was called the the ranch ranch lodge i think is what it's called um anyway it's it's at the end of a 16 mile dirt road and yeah you know, i so i had taken you know i was like i was like oh yeah, i, was, I think you know i looked at the area i was like i probably just you know take my road bike i ride to big bend and stuff for you know because we were I think we were 30 miles from Big Bend or something. So um, but we got there. I realized like they meant like dirt like a real dirt road is like, you know that you know we drove down there like we got to our cabin. I mean my bike was all I mean it was covered in dust. Yeah, and, dust. Right? and you know and I was like you know, you know cuz you had to con they wanted you to conserve water too so I was like good kind of, you know, trying to try to sparsely rinse it off you know so <laughs> a little bit you know done dirt and, and, not, and yeah not uh not yeah, not use too much water doing so and um but yeah it was like in the mornings i was like i was like all right i'll be back i'd drive out to the end of the road to get to the highway to to the to the highway and, and then i'd do my ride and then you know drive back and it was i was like yeah, it's like boy is this this be a perfect reason to have a gravel bike exactly because i can't you know because yeah you know, i, I could have just rode from the rent from the from the lodge instead of uh driving out and parking at some corner you know? yeah so but uh but yeah I, well we'll do oh sorry
1: go ahead no, no i said that that's exactly what happened with the oklahoma ranch i was like <laughs> oh no i'm never gonna be able to <laughs> ride my bike out here <laughs> yeah I would literally have to put the bike on, on on the SUV and take it out to Lake Murray and and do the loops around the lake. And, you know, I would end up with, you know, 60, 70 something miles, but then put it back <laughs> on the car and take it back. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. You know, I should be able to ride from the ranch out here and do a few loops and ride back.
0: Sure. And uh, sure. that's what I can
1: do now with a gravel bike.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have to, um, uh...
1: Take uh, me up on it. Out, we'll man. make it I'm, happen. I'm take you up.
0: So, um, well, I guess just a- as we wrap up, just uh, so, what are the 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 essential details for this event? Because it's coming up. This Heiko is coming up this month. So, dates, registration, website, any sponsors you want to mention?
1: You know, I. I it's funny the, the whole sponsors thing. Uh, if there's a sponsor on my website, those are folks that are products that I've been using for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and I don't have many sponsors. and But the ones that I do have have been really good to me and very loyal. You know, uh, I'm tapped. That's Ted's company. Uh, Joji, Jess, Sarah's company. Saram has been very good to me. hundred percent. I've been, you know, they've been great to me for, for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Moose Pack. And, We've got several local uh, shops from Heiko that support us. You know, the a coffee shop, a, a hunting shop. I mean, all sorts of, you know, men's clothing, Kogel bearings, uh, rondo here in Texas, you know, New Belgium beer came on board. Uh, there's all these brands that have, you know, that have were with us last year. Are back this year, and we picked up some new ones, and even just the the little shops in in Heiko that support us, even the the public the portable restrooms. It's a local company, and they do a tremendous job with helping us out, charging very little, and and putting these portable bathrooms out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Uh, The uh, that's really been my my support. Uh, So there's. You know, I don't have the the uh, the backing of the bike industry. Like, you know, you go to Unbound, or you go to a uh, Belgium Waffle ride, or you go to, you know, the Mid South, and there's all these brands are there. It's just nothing like that. Uh, for part of the reason is I I just I do business very differently. Mm-hmm. And if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I've learned that the bike industry in general doesn't function that way. They'll tell you they're going to do something and last minute they change their mind or, or, you know, they'll, they tell you they're going to do something and they don't, you know, they're not punctual about getting back. And I don't have time for that nonsense. You know, I've got two other businesses to run at Grabo Locos as a hobby. So in regards to the bike industry, I've just cut ties real quick. If, you know, if your emails are not being, my emails are not being, you know, responded punctually. And, and if you're canceling on me on meetings and rescheduling, I just don't have time for that. And then, again, I, I don't want to promote brands that I don't use. So it really limits <laughs> as far as sponsors. So, you know, I, I've got the bike brand, you know, Riddit, and, you know, SRAM, all the stuff that I use, it's really <laughs> – The brands I've turned down brands because I don't use their products and I just don't feel right promoting something that I personally don't use. You know, I've turned down brands that provide topical creams for sports, and I just if I don't use it, I'm not going to go out there and promote stuff. You know, I've turned down bike brands of stuff that I don't use. Uh, not that it's not good, it's just that I I want an opportunity to use and ride something and so I can do a proper endorsement. I feel that if I'm promoting something I, I should be able to say hey, look I write this stuff I use it or at least I know people that do that and brave about it so sponsorship wise there, there's there not a whole lot I mean you go to my uh, my website and you look there, there isn't much uh, and it's fine it's it works out well for me that way because I just like I said I I don't have time for a lot of the red tape in the whole bike industry it's just like gosh there's like to get somebody to say yes to something it's like they got to talk to 15 20 people i just i don't have time for that uh you know I, i'm that knucklehead that i got so frustrated with it. I, I you know i funded the first event because i was going to have the event regardless of the backing uh of the bike industry and when i realized that they really weren't you know interested at, or they things very differently i, I just kind of shied away from it so i've stuck with the ones that you'll see on my website mm-hmm. and there's nothing on there that i don't use that i haven't been using for years you know i've been using 100 glasses for years and cerams on all my bikes and you know stuff like Ted's product I've been using the product before I even knew it had anything to do with Ted King I had no idea (laughs) on tap was Ted's brand (laughs) I remember (laughs) thinking about (laughs) contacting on tap and talking to them about being a sponsor and I was going to you know, invite them to the VIP event, they were going to get to meet Ted King and the others. <laughs> Find out he's <laughs> involved. He was like, Oh, that's me, <laughs> founder. <laughs> there goes that idea, you know. <laughs> so that goes to show you how little I know about the bike industry. And uh, so yeah, I, I my strongest allies are going to be, you know, Untapped, Saram, 100% Kogo, you know, all the local shops, Moose Bags. Uh, you know, a Rondo, and I hate forgetting any of them, but they're all on the website, you know, big and small. And uh, they just, man, they just, they really believe in what we're trying to do and they care and they they provide a lot of products and they provide support. Some of them even help pay for some of the overhead things like, you know, like the timing and and uh, and food for events. And I mean, it's just huge help because every dollar that they they, they contribute it's a dollar that we can give to the fire department that doesn't come out of registration. Uh, so incredibly grateful for, you know, again, all those brands that you see on our website and the stuff that they do and they did last year and they continue to do. Yeah.
0: Nice. And so, so, um, Heiko, uh, is May 14th.
1: Yes. Is that right? We start partying May 12th, Thursday at my Burleson ranch. (laughs) that's the first party and then friday we continue through the morning and then we sleep friday night we go to bed early because saturday is an ass kicking (laughs) but then it's all fun and games that saturday all through about 11 12 o'clock at night you know new belgium's bringing a whole bunch of beer we have food for everybody so every rider gets a free meal afterwards uh free beer free food we have live bands uh I may even play a little, I play drums. I I may even go up there and play a little bit of drums again. (laughs) So it's just a big, big fun party. And again, it's, you know, a lot of racing, but a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. And and really we want to be out there. Just encourage people to finish whether it's the 30 mile or the 60, the hundred or the one hundred and fifty. We want people to know that we're going to be out there and we're going to be cheering and screaming and we're going to be up and it doesn't matter how long it takes you. You're going to do it, do it. And then we're going to be there for you.
0: And then, uh, and then, uh, and then, October first uh, is is pueblo and um,
1: the and same art- formula. It's the same formula same that we, that I use for Heiko. The same. We start out Thursday party, and Friday <laughs> and Saturday, and and it's the same formula. Everything's the same except a different environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's same concept, same portable yeah, yeah. bathrooms, rest stops everywhere, and stuff like that. Cool. And, and
0: then, uh, and then, if if, in case people are wondering, uh, there's still spots available in, in both yes. of these events. Yeah, yes. not I, you know,
1: I've been fortunate that Heiko doesn't really give me a maximum number. Okay. So, you know, I've, I've reopened registration for Heiko for a little while and uh, Pueblo is still open. At some point, we'll close it, mm-hmm. but we'll see another surge in registrations for Pueblo after Heiko because people have so much fun. And then they get motivated, and now they want to go do the Pueblo on. And uh, I'm looking at a third event for 2023, another state, another area. That oh, wow. just doesn't really get the attention and uh, that I feel it deserves. And they have great gravel in a small little town that could really use the help uh, with the fire department and such. So at some point, I'll, I'll probably make an announcement about that. Really, what we're trying to do is just find towns, small towns that have volunteer fire departments that are underfunded and are lacking in materials and products and equipment and building structures. Like I said, the Pueblo Volunteer Fire Department does not have an indoor bathroom. To me, that's just insane. Yeah. that These folks are out there. They don't get paid to do this. And the the vehicles that they have, all of them probably need to be replaced. Mm -hmm. And they don't even have an indoor bathroom. It's just, I I think most people have no idea that it's these little departments, these little volunteer departments that are the ones responsible for all these remote areas and all this rural land and are constantly dealing with brush fires and forest fires. And these people have full time jobs like you and I, and then they still go and they do this. I mean, they're beautiful human beings, people that are just doing it to serve their community. I mean, talk about community. You know, I know yeah. that in gravel, we throw that word community out all the time. And, uh, you know, the minute the start goes, everybody's off on their own. <laughs> Your community may happen again after the finish and with the beers, but in between there's like a war of uh, a <laughs> mental war trying to finish this, this uh, route that you epic route that you took on. But these communities that we're talking about, these, firefighters I mean their wives are involved their children are involved it's like a family affair and man they're they're working full-time jobs hard jobs and then they're still on call all the time and they're at the station I mean they don't rest and it, to me it's just I was shocked when I learned uh, that how little to no support they have from the counties and the cities that they serve It's all volunteers uh, and donations from folks like yourself and I, just folks from the community and even folks from outside of the community that know that these are the folks that will come out and turn off these brush fires that could potentially destroy an entire ranch, an entire farm, uh, livestock. Uh, So it's they're very they're loved by their towns, and it's I mean everybody always likes a firefighter. (laughs) know, yeah. <laughs> but these are like a whole step above in my opinion because you know they're doing the same work with very limited equipment very old outdated mm-hmm. stuff that half the time doesn't work and they're doing it just out of the kindness of their hearts and as a volunteer i mean they don't get paid to do this yeah, yeah. and you no, know I, what I had that's no what idea. we rely on when we're out there riding gravel when we get hurt something happens that's just going to respond that's so a no-brainer. We should support them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I had I had no idea that that's how it worked. Yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's in the word, and it's in the yeah you know, the title of you know volunteer fire uh, fire departments. But you know, I didn't realize that that's the level of volunteerism. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: most um, of them get zero so. funding from their municipalities. Some get like ten percent of their budget. But when you find out what their operating budget is, it's like <laughs> our gravel bikes cost more. You know, <laughs> and they operate on so little and they're very careful about how much water they use and how much electricity because they have to pay for all that. You know, in fuel, uh, they, you know, they, they, especially in Heiko recently in the surrounding areas, there was a lot of brush fires and man, they went through a lot of fuel and they needed help. People were donating fuel for them because you know, fuel has become so expensive in the last year or so. Yeah. And uh they were just burning through this fuel and they needed help to buy fuel. I mean, you never hear about this in in, in the cities and the, the you know, the well-funded supported, you know, fire departments. Uh it's again, it was I was not aware of it until and then when I learned about it, I was like, wow, this is insane. Uh, that these folks, you know, if anybody should be looked after are these volunteers (laughs) but for whatever reason that's just the way it's always been you know there's very little state or city or county support if any most don't have any support at all oh
0: wow well it's uh it's definitely a a great cause you know uh that 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 you're putting these funds towards and uh I, i think the neat thing too is that um you know going into Going into so many events, you, you you know, there's so many charity events and and things, and, and that you don't really see the you know you, know, you trust that the the money going to the right places and and are doing the things, but you, you usually don't see the the exactly. the, the, the results the the yeah. tangible results of, of of that fundraising, and to yeah you know, as you said you. Know, you go into the town this year, you're going to see the truck that, that you, yes, helped, that we bought all last year and the building yeah. that, that you've helped build. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I think that's just, that's awesome. You know, to just cause you can, you can see the results right there in front of you. Yeah.
1: It's you know, funny that you that said that because community. I'm a very visual person and that's, I mean, I learned from seeing I, and You know, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, restore old things, especially old cars. You know, I'll get some of these cars in the 50s and 60s that are just barely running and just to bring them back to life. You It's just I like seeing things made better. And you said something that's exactly how I feel about it is that I want to see what we did and I want to see it physically. I want to see that our money went to something that in a matter of months, I'm going to see it. And boom, there's this command fire truck. They've been waiting for years. And bam, now there's this big fire station. That's, you know, those are the kinds of things that that energize me and just keep me going. Is to be able to see what all of us did and physically, visually see this. There's, like you said, there's a lot of great charities, but you never know where the money's being spent. You don't know what percentage of it is or and you know, sometimes all of it is being spent, but you don't get to see where the you know where your donation went or your results from your hard work or volunteering. And and with with the fire volunteer fire departments, they're so careful about their budgets because they have to be, that you know that they're going to do something great. And Haiko is a perfect example. They bought this great truck and it's beautiful. And the station immediately from the minute I gave them the check within a week, they started building. Uh, and, and you see it. And like you said, it's just, it's so great to be able to see what, what all these riders did. You know, everybody, it's not just, it's not me. It's, you know, all I did was turn the funds over to the fire department. But all these riders signed up and, and donated additional funds besides their registration. And that's who really we got to celebrate. You know, as much as we celebrate the last person, but none of this would have been possible if, you know, 1500 plus people didn't sign up uh, and and done this. So it's really, it's for everybody, you know, and and it's so, a lot of them remember the old station and I've had people text me, dude, (laughs) a new station is badass, you know, it's like, yeah, I know it's huge. And it's just, (laughs) that is such a great feeling, you know. That it's kind of like I say, when I finished Mid-South in 2020, it was the greatest feeling in the world, man. I was like, I can't believe I did this. I didn't quit. You know, I didn't get sagged out of there. I got a hug from Bobby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like I freaking finished. I was so happy and so proud. It took me like 14 hours and 30 something minutes. I was so happy, you know, and, and felt so good. And, you know, it's the same thing with seeing the station. It's like when I've been back, I go over there, you know, I try to be there once a week or so because, you know, I live a little far away and I drive by and I'm like, oh my gosh, we did that. You know, that station is so freaking cool looking. And that new fire truck, you know, it's a great feeling. And it, that's kind of energizes me and, and uh, others to just keep doing this. am expanding. So, like I said, hopefully we'll, I'll be able to announce the uh, third one for uh for next year so it'll be three events next year and again the, the whole same concept you know start having fun on Thursday we race on Saturday <laughs> we rest Sunday and we build something and we buy something that we can all enjoy and see afterwards and that we know is going to serve that community. You know what better way to you know than a fire truck or a fire station mm-hmm. something that you know it could potentially save property and lives. Yeah.
0: Well it sounds like a winning formula and I'll you know I'll I'll definitely be keeping an eye out to see what what uh what the what this third event is is going to be uh <laughs> next year as well and uh but yeah it, anytime you want to come back on as well um you know, to to talk whether it's about your events or cycling in general or or whatever you you're welcome back Fabian uh um,
1: thank you I love this, that thank this you. is
0: this has definitely been been great. I've I've learned a lot, and uh, I'll be excited to, or I'm excited to to put this out there um, for for our listeners. So.
1: And like I said, let me know when things come down a little bit, and let's meet up in Haico. I have a bike ready, and we're gonna ride.
0: Again, that was Fabian Serata and the event is Gravel Locos. The Haico, Texas edition is May 14th, and then Pueblo, Colorado is October 1st you can still sign up at gravellocos.bike. Now let's see what other events are coming up on the Texas calendar. First up in Houston, Southwest Cycling is bringing back the Bear Creek Crit Series on Wednesdays in May. Get that midweek adrenaline rush by signing up on Bike Reg. Then May 22nd is the return of the Houston Grand Crit, where you are racing on a fully closed Allen Parkway With downtown Houston as your backdrop. Watch that 180 turn, but sign up anyway at Bike Reg before your cat closes. Finally, come June 4th, there's a seventh annual Ride to Remember in Dallas. This year's ride is in memory of the 87 Dallas police officers that have died in the line of duty. The ride is limited to 100 participants. The link is in the show notes. And if you're looking for something on a different day, You can find these and many more events listed on techspiker.net. And with that, this episode's a wrap. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast. While you're at it, follow Drop Bar Texas on Facebook and Instagram. Have a question, ride to promote, or feat of glory to share, email dropbartx at gmail.com. And until next time, have fun, enjoy the sun, or just roll five it. Ooh. Mm-hmm.